Is that a ghetto-ass sock over your mic? Yeah. You like that? <laughs> no. I cut, I cut the tip off of a sock <laughs> and I put it up because you told me that my pops were popping too hot. Yeah, yeah. It can't be popping them peas, son. Popping them peas, baby. So I put a little sock on. I made sure I got a sock with like a little thing so it kind of looked like a little... Like a hoodie? Yeah, like a little... I don't know what you call them. You know, the little hoodie that people wear. Beanie, hoodie, yeah, same thing. Yeah, I go on. Not the same thing, but that's well, all right. Close enough. The top part is. Oh, yeah, I'm doing it all for you. There is one thing being up here with all these dogs is my allergies are horrendous. I hate people that are allergic to animals. I love animals. but Yeah, I but you're know. allergic to them. No, I'm allergic to cats. Take some damn Claritin. I can't stand when people come to my house and they go, oh, do you have cats? And yeah, I got two cats and two dogs, man. Deal with it. Build up an immune system for the love of God. Who's allergic to animals? That's the worst. If, you, if you're allergic to peanuts or milk or eggs or whatever, totally get it. But animals, what are you going to do? You're just going to never hang out with people that have cats and dogs? Get out of here. You know, I am allergic to nuts, and that's the worst. That's I used fine. To not, I, used I can to understand that. Nuts until I was like 22. Ouch. I used Developed to eat peanut late. butter and jelly all day long. All the good things in life have nuts in it, and it sucks. That's what she said. Yeah. Two seconds. I'll be back, guys. I gotta. I gotta blow my nose. But you guys uh, start the intro. Yeah. <laughs> Who has to leave the room to blow their nose? Great face, Dave does. Apparently. O C and Z and friends. Single. Yeah. Sean O'Connell. Zachariah. Don't know his last name. Great face, Dave. I think that's all we got. Gabo might pop on you. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, he's kind of like a floating ghost. He just like all of a sudden he just he just shows up on the call and you're like, oh, Gabo's here, and he'll just he'll just come in mid sentence as if he's been there for the whole podcast. He's Slimer from the Ghostbusters. Just exactly. Shows up. <laughs> exactly. How we doing, boys? How we doing? GFD zone. GFD up in Washington out there. Uh, what's going on, boys? Not a whole lot. Of, I mean, actually. A whole lot. I can't wait to get into sports. I have never been a happier kid. As a guy who didn't even know what Netflix was and then learned what it was because I realized that about six to eight hours out of my day is preoccupied by sports, and then all of a sudden sports was taken away from me. And the kid that had to result to Korean baseball and NASCAR and freaking cornhole just to get his fix, I yesterday was amazing. You had the first golf major. You had the NBA bubble. You had baseball. Oh, my good God. I had both TVs going for the first time in forever. I am thrilled to the gills to talk about sports. But, of course, we got to start with the Rona ran OC. Yeah, okay. I'm going to start off because... Nice. Oh, it sounds like you're high as chap if you're going first. I like it. I I like it. I'm the opposite of thrilled to the gills with sports right now because my sports life revolves around college sports and most specifically college football. Oh, yeah. I read that article today. OC doesn't look good. And Rona is robbing us of the college football season as we speak. Not official yet. Not official yet. Almost official. Man, it, it, said, official. it said it doesn't look good, but no official decisions okay. have been made. Yeah. All right. Well, reportedly, the Big Ten presidents voted today 12 to 2 to cancel the football season. So wait, why isn't it official then? <laughs> because they haven't released. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not the Power Five, just the Big Ten. They've officially voted that they would vote out. Yeah. yeah. All reputable sources point in the direction of the Pac-12 following suit as early as Tomorrow, the SEC, God bless the SEC, 
is going to hang on. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna be the only team. I mean, they're going to be the only the only conference playing football. They're going to hang on tooth play. and nail. It sounds like they're going to invite maybe you know, like Texas, uh, maybe Oklahoma, just whoever <laughs> – <laughs> Whatever teams that are not in their country, just bring them on in. I like that. Just have like a co- a weird Corona conference of like, you know, whatever, maybe 30 good teams or whatever, and then figure out a schedule from there. I'm all about it. What drives me the most insane about this is that we had months and months and months and months for college football to prepare, to find alternatives, to find a way to isolate players, to create somewhat of a bubble environment, all of that stuff. And instead, what we got was a bunch of universities that couldn't agree, a bunch of conferences that couldn't agree, the NCAA just washing its hands of any leadership role and left everyone to fend for themselves. And now, here we are, seven days away from when football camp is supposed to start in the Pac-12 conference and other conferences, and no one's going to get to play. College football is going to be canceled this year. College football. You're going to play Little League games on Saturday morning, Zachariah, in a lot of places. You're going to play high school games on Friday night in a lot of places. You're going to play Sunday NFL games. And there's just going to be this gaping hole where college football is supposed to be on your Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, occasional Thursday and Friday nights, and, of course, it's going to hurt badly for so many people. The economics of it are devastating. It's just awful, man. It's so, so, so terrible. Yeah, well, first of all, college football is what in terms of popularity among sports? It goes NFL 1, is NBA 2, and then college football? Or is college football 2? Okay, but it's above baseball, right? For sure. Yeah, so. Same with soccer. That part is crazy. But okay, so for you working for the Pac-12 Network, and I, I don't know if you have more insight because of it, but from the outside, from, from a guy that's just looking at it from afar, it just seems like they thought it's going to be so long until we start that we're good, so forget making a plan. And then all of a sudden, it's as if it snuck up on them when they've had since what it first hit in like April. When did Rudy first get it? And then all March. sports started March. And, and March. so what are you hearing in terms of what they were doing for those four months, those five months? Well, that's the thing, is they were waiting for guidance from the NCAA. The NCAA wasn't given any guidance, so the Power Five conferences kind of all were in communication with each other. And Talking about what? Their families and what they were doing at home? No, but like, hey, are we going to be able to travel? Are we going to be able to have interconference games? Are we going to be able to do this kind of thing? And they decided that the best-case scenario would be, this was a couple weeks ago, the best-case scenario would be, let's do conference-only schedules, Okay. We only play within our conference. That way we can set the rules for testing and health and all that stuff within our own conference. We're going to control our little bubbles, right? So for the Pac-12, 12 teams, obviously. For the Big Ten, that's, what, 14 teams. For the SEC, it's whatever. So they kind of all decided at different times, all right, we're just going to do this, and maybe we'll throw an interconference game in there, throw a bone to, like, a a Sun Belt team, give us a little tune-up game, whatever. Well... That was all done against the background of racial injustice protests. That was all done against the background of player safety concerns, against the background of these players coming out with statements saying, look, we want to be paid. We want name, image, and likeness. We want all this stuff. So now the conferences were just like scrambling in every single regard, trying to figure out 
how we address these three humongous issues. And the medical experts hired by all these conferences, doctors, epidemiologists, consultants, have been saying all along, like, look, the community numbers are not good in California. The community numbers are not good in Florida. You're not going to be able to isolate your kids effectively, so you can't play. And instead of finding a way to isolate the kids effectively, they've just decided, you know what? We're not going to have kids on campus. That creates a liability issue for our athletes. We're just going to call it quits. And it, dude, the, the economic impact this has on conferences and athletic departments, 85% of revenue comes from college football. So if you got a daughter who wants to play college sports in 2021, 2022, 2023, sorry, probably not going to happen. Well, some, right? I mean, like some basketball colleges, right? UConn, women basketball, UConn, for instance, right? Makes money, right? UConn and Oregon and Baylor are teams in women's basketball that are like at least break-even type teams, maybe profitable. UConn's probably pretty profitable. So what? We're just going to have a round robin those three teams playing <laughs> <another> constantly? <laughs> yeah, that's bad, man. I mean, that's bad. It if you're in swimming and diving or field hockey or water polo or rugby or r- any of these sports, you're done. It's over. It sucks. And over for how long? So <laughs> next year, probably. Or probably indefinitely. I mean, indefinitely is the right answer, but it's just tragic because the other thing that's not being talked about enough, and, and we'll, I promise you, once everyone gets over the shock of these announcements that are going to be coming out in the next two weeks, once everyone gets over the shock of those, the thing that people are going to have to talk about again is all of the athletes that come from places that are not good for them to be. And they stay out of trouble because they're on a campus in Berkeley, California, instead of being on, you know, in a bad neighborhood in San Jose, or they're on the streets in, you know, whatever it is, South Central LA. The hood, the hood, yeah. And, you know, or they're just, they're at home trying to help pay the bills with their parents because there's no excuse now. They're not getting an education. They're not off bettering themselves. All these, oh, there's so many student athletes of every walk of life. They're going to be thrown back into a negative environment. All of these young people that had found their way out with college sports are now back in the situation that they tried to escape from. And all of those people are just going to be sitting there like, I did everything right. What else was I supposed to do? But OC, my- are they going to lose their scholarships? Well, no. From okay. a social standpoint, They won't lose scholarships. But if you are not on campus for learning, because most universities are going with distance learning, right? Yeah. So you're not on campus for learning. They're paying for you to do online learning. There's a lot of kids in college football, Zachariah, that come from homes that don't have internet in them. So how are they going to do their distance learning? How are they going to do their online classes? Who's going to be monitoring? Who's going to be taking care of these people? Who's going to be making sure they get the proper nutrition? Who's going to be making sure they get the proper tutoring? All of these things that a lot of kids rely on from their athletic departments, from their football teams. 
Yeah, right? and without having the sport, what's the motivation to keep up with the school stuff? Well, that's where that's where leadership comes in, OC. That's where you hope these coaches that always preach about how much they care about their athletes and how it's a family and how they want the best for them and how they want their education and stuff that's after sports. That's where you hope these people step in and the same way that they call them and make sure that they learn the playbook or the same way that they call them and make sure that they learn the game plan. You hope that even if there's no football, and again, let's not say it's over yet. I know it doesn't look good but let's put hope against hope but i appreciate your optimism yeah you got to i mean i'm positive pete out here because i'm all i came in all excited about sports being back and I, I understand it's not college and it's you know we'll see about the nfl but that's where you hope these coaches and how big is a when you were at utah how big is a college football coaching staff well i think now they have 10 assistant coaches and then you've got obviously a bunch of support staff academic advisors we'll we'll round it and we'll say there's 20 people in leadership roles for these young men. Okay, and then how big is the roster? At least 100. Most All teams right. carry most teams carry anywhere from 105 to 125 people. 85 are on scholarship. So okay. 85 are the ones who are going to get the attention. Okay. But let's just say let's call it 100 and 20, that's 5 a pop, right? If you're the athletic director, you go to these coaches and you go, "Look, you got five kids. It is your responsibility. There's no football." So you're not doing anything. You're not drawing up schemes. You're not figuring out who you're going to play next week. If there's no football, your job is to treat these kids like there's still football. Be on their ass about making sure that they're doing their online distance learning or whatever. Make sure that they keep their scholarship. Make sure that they stay out of trouble. You treat those five people like it's a sponsor in AA. You check in with them all the time. You make sure that they're doing this stuff. But here, OC, I'll give you this. I am not optimistic that there's enough good people in leadership positions for that to go down. I think it's much more likely the scenario that you're drawing up right now, which is that kids are going to go astray. Oh, there's no football. F it. Let's go hit the block. Let's go do whatever. Let's get into some trouble. Then it is that these guys are going to be on them and making sure that even though they're not able to play football and they're not able to go to campus, but they're still doing what they're supposed to do in hopes that this returns. What are they talking about? Spring? Spring, potentially. And even that, like, the assumption is that we're going to have either quicker tests or we're going to have a vaccine or something by spring. I mean, that's, that's a very lofty expectation for a medical community that you have no control over their outcomes. So you talk to any college football coach, and I know it's the same in college basketball, and you've known plenty of people that have been through this. The time that coaches dread the most is that month in the summer, usually college football coaches send yep. guys back home to wherever they're from, the beginning of June to the beginning of July, right? Usually yep. after July 4th, guys come back to campus and they get back to working out, lifting, and all that kind of stuff. Voluntary yep. workouts, they call them. Oh, but yeah. Really yeah. Bald, okay? And they're praying their phone doesn't ring. <laughs> the coaches are just hoping they don't get a phone call, right? That's one month. That's the hardest time of the year for college football coaches. Now, now we're, we're talking, talking about, about six months. Now we're talking about extending that for however long. And do, it is just brutal for some of these kids who, by the way, have been working their asses off for however many years to get to this point. And you finally get to this point and something. And I know this is the reality for a lot of people. And maybe it's a good life lesson, but it's not one I would like to learn in college, if, especially if I was a kid from a compromised upbringing. Like there's no way the coach is going to stop the country bumpkin kid from Oklahoma from going to the freaking cookout, the freaking honky tonk, drinking underage, driving drunk, all that kind of stuff. You just can't do it when they're not on campus with you, when you're not seeing them every day. Even the scenario you're talking about where coaches are checking in constantly, you and I both know it's a lot different 
if you're living in mom's house than if mom's just calling you, right? Of and that's course. exactly that's what these guys are looking at, man. And it's just it's so frustrating because the leadership has failed across the board. Yeah, no doubt. And again, this is the sport that had the most amount of time. Not only that, but they had all these other sports that have come back to be able to use as a model. Take the good, leave the bad, figure out something. But for this to just come about and you guys hadn't come up with something, I I mean, maybe it's impossible. I don't know. But the feeling that I'm getting from leadership, from the NCAA, from all these conferences is not one of, oh, we thought up of about a thousand different plans and there's just no way to do it. What I'm getting more of a vibe is, oh, we just thought it was going to be all good. Enough time was going to pass and we were going to figure this out and we were just going to play. I'm getting much more of that vibe than we tried all this stuff. Because if they did, then lay it out for us. Like, let us know what you were doing all these months to prepare to play and then explain to us why you're not going to. I think it's just a crappy situation that I feel like this is what was going to happen. I didn't think it was realistic that they were going to figure out a bubble for all these kids. Too many moving parts. I know you're saying, like, what have you been doing for the last four months? But it's like, well, like the first two months, they're trying to figure out their own lives and and their own families and their own situations. And I get you have the job as a, you know, president of the athletic association or whatever it is that your title is. And you're trying to figure out how to get these kids back on the field, how to keep them safe. And I'm sure they've come up with many scenarios. And I feel like they're just like, yeah, we can't do it. And they're probably not going to break it down for us. But it's not just the college situation. It's like you brought up school earlier where how many kids have like internet at home? How many kids have laptops that they can do, you know, learning from a distance, et cetera. And that goes all the way down to, you know, elementary school, uh, kids in high school, et cetera. Like they're all not going to be able to play like California. They cut off football for high school. So they're not doing football for high school. They're going to be doing it later on in the year. I just don't think it's realistic that college football is going to happen. Like I said that a couple weeks ago, it's just too big of a bubble. You got regular kids hanging around the college kids, the football players. You got all the other sports, but everyone's going back to school. I saw a news report where they're moving kids back into school. They're getting back in the dorms. Majority of the time, it's going to be freshmen and sophomores only that upper grad students will be off campus. So it's like, You have upper grad students that are off campus doing whatever they want outside of that bubble and they come back to school every day. So it's like you're really not making a bubble just for the kids to get the education part, not even the sporting part. But it's like they haven't figured out the educational part. But here's the thing. I I hear everything you're saying and by no means am I saying it's easy. And obviously with college students, it's a lot different than professionals. But they said that a bunch of stuff wasn't going to come back. They said that soccer wasn't going to be able to come back. They said that baseball wasn't going to be able to come back. They said that basketball wasn't going to be able to come back. Now, granted, there's been some bumps in the road, and the MLS specifically, two full teams had to pull out of whatever the MLS is back tournament, whatever the hell it was. And in basketball, you've seen guys that have gotten it, had to get quarantined. And baseball, it's been not a disaster, but you saw the Marlins debacle. They're out there trotting me out there, basically. And then, you know, they played the Cardinals. The Cardinals had some guys. There's been some games postponed or whatever. But still, they're working through it, and they're figuring it out. And football had more time than anybody. And if it means as much as OC is saying in terms of economics, then they could have created something where they could have made it work. Or at least tried it, and then if it failed, shut it down. And the other thing about it, and there's a drastic difference, and you guys are both right, there's a drastic difference between amateurs, I throw up the air quotes when I say amateurs in college sports, and pros, right? Because if you're a pro and you're under contract, you show up to work or you don't get paid, 
right? Every one of these leagues gave people opt-out options. They said, eh, we get health concern in your family. In the NFL, they gave them a nice little healthy salary, six-figure salary. See you next year. Your contract, as it stands now, holds until next year. Good luck. People talk about college athletes, and they try and pretend that they're actually amateurs. And college athletes, especially football and basketball players, have not been real amateurs since the beginning of the NCAA. You are compensated. You're just not compensated with cash. Mm-hmm. You're compensated with a scholarship, books, a meal plan, tutors. It's a trade, right? So they feel like, look, we can't tell people, show up, participate, or your scholarship is gone. Fine. Don't be so harsh about it. Say, show up, participate, or your scholarship is on hold. You'll have it next year when you show up if you want to opt out this season. But this year, the show goes on without you. All of these universities, all of these presidents, all of these teachers, everyone is so worried about the liability issues and about the optics of telling kids you have to come play even though you're not a paid athlete. Well, guess what? They are paid. They're compensated just in a different way. And nobody has ever put a gun to a young man or woman's head and said, you better show up to practice tonight. If you don't want to be part of it, if the machine moving on is too much for you, if you think it's bad for your health, find the opt-out clause and exercise it. All of these conferences had months, to your point, to put this together, to make it clear to people and to their parents, to their whole families, like, look, it's going to be dicey this fall. We might have to cancel a whole game if the team goes under quarantine, but the show goes on, and we'd like for your young athlete to be part of it, and then let people make their own decision. But instead, all of these university presidents and chancellors and everyone else has treated the student-athlete like they're kindergartners, and we have to make decisions for these people because they're worried about liability and they're worried about lawsuits. So instead of asking student-athletes, how are we going to make this work? What are we going to do? They're acting like parents, and they're parents that are being overly cautious right now. And the players, by the way, go to your Twitter. Huge movement right now. All the premier players in college football want to play, but they're not going to have the option. Well, I understand it stinks, and I understand that it's going to suck for long-term ramifications, but hopefully it bounces back in the spring, and at least, hopefully, in theory, we're going to have NFL football. All right, to lighten up the Rona rants just a smidge here, as OC is down in the dumps as a Pac-12 host, I can see why it's very near and dear to his heart. But my Rona rant is slow walkers. That's right, slow walkers. Listen, people, okay? Look, the Rona is real. We're all trying to practice safe distancing. But with that means I can't pass you, especially if there's not six feet of room for me to go around you, which means I have to walk behind you. Now, if you're walking slow, I'm subjected, and I, am, I, I have to go at your pace. But what I need you to do is if you notice a person behind you, that's maybe huffing and puffing a little bit, or you can tell he's a little bit on your tail, pick up the pace a little bit. And I'm not talking about elderly people or, you know, moms carrying their kids or whatever. I I can, I can deal with that. But if you're in your thirties and you're just going about your day and looking around at the bees and the birds or whatever, I need you to pick the pace up because I can't get within six feet of you. And I don't feel like walking like a turtle. That's my runner, man. The turtle walk has gotten to you, huh? It's so annoying, man. They just, they walk so slow and I'm just sitting there going, because you know, if I walk past them, they're going to be looking at me like, yo dog, you're up in my six feet. So I can't do that. So I just have to sit there. I literally, I might as well be like waiting in line 
the way that these people pace themselves as they go about their lives. So all the people out there, be cognizant of the people six feet behind you because you're creating the pace. I told some guy to back the F up on my mom. She was at, we were at Costco shopping. Did you really? Yeah. How'd he, he react? Like about, he was about to hit my mom with his cart. She's looking in the freezer aisle and like, this guy's just like, I gotta go. I gotta go. And I'm like, dude, bro, back the F up and go away. He was like a little thrown back and then like realized what's going on. And then he stopped and then turned around because he didn't need anything on that aisle and just went away. You got to run a ramp before we get into some sports. I don't really have that much of a run rant other okay. than like, okay. Oh, actually I got one. I got one. So I went, you guys are going to laugh. I went to a car show. My dad's in a car club up here and they meet in a parking lot at a mall. That sounds here. irresponsible. Yeah, it's already starting off irresponsible. <laughs> uh, my wife was fuming inside, but she didn't tell me until after I came back. Like, why would you go to that? But my dad got the email saying that basically there's a car show, so he decided that he wanted to go. And so we go out there. Beautiful cars. Beautiful day. We're about to leave. And these older people, they walk up to see one of their friends, and their friend just parked their car. And she goes... Oh, I'm going to put a mask on. I'm going to put a mask on. And these ladies walking up, this is what their reaction was, okay? This is the kind of reaction that I've gotten since I've been here in Washington was, oh, it's okay. You don't need to put a mask on. My group that I'm with, they don't have masks on. And that was her realization that it's okay and coronavirus ain't real, so you don't need to put a mask on. And I was like, Dad, let's get out of here. I can't believe we're still at the point where there's even a question of whether or not you should wear a mask. Like, I've got some buddies in Michigan, and they full-blown just, like, they think one of their friends is going back to their job, and they were like, yeah, and he has to wear a mask. And they started laughing, and I'm like, how is that funny? Like, everybody should be wearing masks. Yeah, I don't get why people don't think that they need to wear a mask, but it is what it is. You gotta wear one. Wash your hands. Keep six feet. God bless America. We're doing horrible. If you're an American, you're listening to this, man, you need to look at yourself and say, hey, am I being the best American I can be? And I'm not talking about, like, God bless America and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking, like, are you being safe to people around you? Like, do you care about your neighbor, your fellow American? Like, put a mask on, keep six feet. Even the president finally wore a mask and said that people should be wearing masks. So now, no matter where you side on anything, everybody should be wearing a damn mask, and I can't believe it's even a question. Anyways, you ready to talk about sports? Oh, see, we have so depressed over this college football news. Yeah, he I looks mean, so sad right now. He, he looks so despondent. He doesn't. Yes. Really, I mean, the last thing he wants is excitement for me about every other sport. But anyways, let's talk about some sports. Yesterday was incredible. You had the first major from golf. Okay, my favorite golfer, Dustin Johnson, once again blew a 54-hole lead. He's the he's got the most 54-hole leads to not win a major, which is just typical me as a Suns fan and an A's fan. I'll always root for the team that's hella good but does not win at all. I'm just cursed that way. Anyways, that was fantastic. Then you had baseball. There was the A's brawl, that was incredible. And then you had the NBA bubble going on. So I was just watching sports up and down, loving every minute of it. I'm loving this Western Conference. Have you been watching Hoop at all, Dave? I have been watching a little bit of Hoop. I also want to throw in there that I did watch something that I normally don't watch. And you're going to say, this ain't even real sport. But NASCAR. And they changed the rules and everything. And it was actually exciting to watch yesterday. I'm going to shock you and tell you that 
I did not watch. I was watching when there was nothing else to watch. That's the one sport that I can't watch, even if there's nothing else to watch, because it's just cars going in circles. But didn't I, I'm going to shock you with this knowledge. Didn't Harlan, I want to say, win like his sixth race yeah. out of like eight total or something? Yeah, something like that. And they, yeah. they, they broke it down. Each race has like basically two stages and then a final. So it's kind of like three races in one. Which That's the rule like, change? Yeah, so it's like they have a stage one. It's like all one day, all same track. They do stage one, X amount of laps, right? If you come in first, you get 10 points all the way down to 10th place. gets one point, second stage, same, same. And then uh. the final, if you win the race in the final stage or whatever, you get 40 points. So max you could get is 60 points. So it's kind of like keeps it more fun for the viewer, keeps it more fun for the actual racers because – it ain't one and done. It's kind of like stage one. They do it. They all come in. They all get their cars back up and going, etc. Stage two, they do it. They get their cars back in, up and going. And then it's like the last hoorah. Who wants the 40 points? Who's the badass that's going to do it? There was know, an but... accident last night that I watched. It was kind of fun. Let me ask you this. What's the point of doing stage one and stage two if stage three gets 40 points? Because let's say I win stage one and stage two. I only have 20 points. And then if I don't win stage three, then I lose the whole thing. Or is this accumulative over oh, several accumulative races? Over the season. Oh, okay. I got so you. So it's like it's a, it's a point race, you know. That's that smart. Works. That's a lot smarter than doing a million laps and then just having one winner. It, it'd be smarter for them to do a bunch of small races than one big race. Yeah. Because so the only part of NASCAR that I like is the final lap. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Other than that, you're just watching cars go in circles. So anyways, yeah. So One thing NASCAR. I do want to bring up that you brought up is what was, and I want to just jump into this, what was the whole thing with the A's game in Houston? So basically what happened was Loriano got hit. The A's got hit five times in the three-game series. The Astros didn't get hit at all. And Loriano specifically got hit three times. He got hit twice yesterday. The second time, it was in the same spot both times. The first one was a fastball. The second one was a curveball. But he basically just pointed to the pitcher and said something and then got into it with the Astros bench. And then the problem was the bench coach for Houston, who is supposed to be like the peacemaker. He's not supposed to be the one igniting the flames, but it was a hitting coach, Alex Centrone, and he started basically yapping at Loriano, who was on first base, and then they started going back and forth, and then he basically challenged him, like motioned him. He's like, what's up? Come on then. And then finally Loriano took the bait, charged after him, bunch of players got in between, the messed up part was nobody from the Astros got tossed. Like the bench coach, I'm sure after they review everything, they're going to see that he was the one that instigated it and he's going to get some punishment. But yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of bad blood there, obviously with the Astros not getting the proper punishment from last year for the cheating and screwing the A's out of possibly two division titles as they won 97 games back-to-back years but didn't win the division. So there's just bad blood for being in the same division, bad blood from the cheating for last year. Remember, Mike Fires used to play for Houston, and now he's on Oakland, and he was the one that was the whistleblower that led the MLB into the investigation that they ended up getting punished for. So Mike Fires didn't pitch this weekend, but I'm sure at some point, since baseball teams are only playing teams within their division, he is going to face them. And now that they had this on Sunday, I'm sure the next time that they play, I think it's in about a month, I'm sure there's going to be more stuff that went down. But, yeah, essentially, Loriano got hit twice in a game, said something to the pitcher, walked down to first, and then the bench coach was the one that actually prompted Loriano to run after him. It wasn't even the pitcher. He didn't even really go after the pitcher. He went after the bench coach as they started mouthing off to each other. And then Bob Melvin 
skipper for the A's after the game said whatever was said had to have been bad enough for Loriano to charge the dugout. And since there's no fans and we have cameras everywhere, I'm sure Major League Baseball is going to be able to figure out what he said and he's going to get punished for it. And then Bob Melvin was asked, what did he say? And he said, I can't tell you that. He didn't say, I don't know. He said, I can't tell you that. So he knows what the bench coach said. He knows what Cintron said, but he didn't want to tell everybody what he said. So we'll see what happens. It sucks for the A's because Laureano's for sure going to get suspended. I don't know how many games, but it's Major League Baseball's fault for not properly punishing the Astros in the offseason. Yeah, that's 100%. Uh, Every team that plays the Astros should throw at every player's head. Well, (laughs) I don't know about their head, but the other thing about it is that now MLB is like almost overcompensating to protect the Astros in a way because they know exactly the slap on the wrist thing. And they warned everybody. They're like, we're not going to tolerate this business. But everyone in baseball is like, well, we're going to make sure the business still happens because you didn't punish them properly. So we will be the ones to punish them properly. So everyone's getting like if you throw at the Astros, you get extra long suspensions. Alex Wood. Yep. You get all this like. Major League Baseball, this is a leadership-themed show, I guess, today. But Major League Baseball could have solved a lot of these problems by actually, I don't know, suspending an Astros player. Exactly. (laughs) Getting some sort of uh, concrete results for the rest of Major League Baseball, or for every other Major League Baseball team, I should say. And instead, it's vigilante justice. Yeah, no, it's doubly worse because not only did they handle the punishment improperly but now they're protecting them so it's like a double whammy it's like not only did they screw up the suspension but now they're going overboard and protecting them so now the baseball players for sure want to take it into their own hands because you know i mean they'll be suspensions and consequences be damned they're gonna punish the astros since mlb didn't so anyways there was that you guys want to touch on the christensen the bench coach for the a's doing the, the hail hitler sign what So last week, the only time the A's make national headlines is when something bad happens or, you know, there's a fight or so basically the bench coach for the A's, Ryan Christensen, you know, all of the celebrations now are different because of the Rona. So there's no more handshaking. I don't even think you can fist bump. Basically, you're doing like Bash Brothers elbow taps or whatever. And yeah, so like coaches are like now just basically putting their arm out and then players are going basically it's like an arm bump now. And so he had his hand out, but unfortunately he had his hand out in what looked like saluting Hitler. And I think he did it completely innocently. First of all, even if he was a full-blown anti-Semite, I don't think that he would be dumb enough to display that knowing the cameras are around in a professional baseball game. But he did it where he really screwed up was, so the closer Liam Hendricks came and then moved his forearm down so that it wasn't extended like the Hail Hitler sign, he basically just moved it down. And then he kind of laughed and was like, oh, I know why you did that. It looked like, and then he did it again. And he was like, oh, it looked like I was doing the Hail Hitler salute. So anyways, he had to put out a public apology. There was no actual punishment for it, but I thought it got overblown. People were calling for his job. And it was just, it was one of those things where he got caught up doing something that he didn't realize he was doing. And then he was like, oh shit, you know, it would be like as if, you, Dave, you know, like I, I was picking my nose with my middle finger and you were like, what are you flipping me off? And then I was like, oh, yeah, you thought I was flipping you off. And then I flipped you off again when I wasn't even trying to do that. That's kind of the way that I saw it. But I think they should do for punishment. What's that? They should punish the Astros for his hail Hitler. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. 
Well, right? fair enough. And, and neither does the Astros getting no punishment. So anything that anyone does in the MLB, the it Astros, just all goes to the Astros. That's <laughs> what the punishment should be. You know how much chaos there would be? Everybody would be doing everything, knowing that, that all of it would go to the Astros and not them. That is oh, one of the dumbest yeah. ideas I've ever heard in my entire life. That was the best idea. I love that idea so much. Just blame the Astros for virtually every bad thing that happens in Major League Baseball. I do think ratings would go up if there was complete chaos. Astros have caused the coronavirus. (laughs) Everything goes to the Astros. Fair enough. Uh, Did you see that story, OC? Oh, yes. You know, I actually appreciated the fact that the response to that was – about as measured as you can expect in today's overreactionary society, you know? Clearly, it was clearly a mistake, but I'm with you. I think it was just like a boneheaded, I wasn't paying attention kind of mistake. Not like a, this is actually who I am. I espouse these types of beliefs. And yeah, maybe he didn't take it seriously enough when in that moment you're talking about where someone corrected him and he's like, oh yeah, it looked like this, ha ha ha. Like maybe he should have been more careful about that. But uh, I actually appreciated the fact that, you know, there were a lot of people who were very upset and were calling for the job and everyone was like, hey, let's pump the brakes. That was like literally a two second boneheaded move. That's not the kind of thing that should ruin a man's life. Yeah, exactly. I'm totally with you on that. The other thing I wanted to bring up sports wise is in the NBA bubble. So basically what the NBA did was when they restarted, they brought back the teams that were relatively within contention. So in the East, they brought back, you know, I think it was just nine teams in the East, and it ended up being closer to 9, 10, 11, 12, th- I think 13 teams in the West. But they basically, like the Warriors didn't go, the Timberwolves didn't go because they both had 15 wins and 19 wins respectively. The Cavs didn't go, 19 wins, blah, 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 blah. They did all this specifically to try to get Zion into the playoffs. And it has not worked out at all. They've, the Pelicans have officially been eliminated. But what they're doing is if a team finishes within a game of the eighth seed, they're going to have a mini tournament between the eighth and the ninth seed where the ninth seed needs to win both games. And if the eighth seed wins just one game, then the series is over. But now what you have is a fascinating sort of race here where the Grizzlies, who went in as the eighth seed, are still holding on by a half game to the Blazers. They're up a full game on the Spurs, and they're up a game and a half on the Suns. Those are the three teams that are vying for that ninth spot. It's guaranteed now that there's going to be a ninth spot, so there is going to be a tournament. It just depends which of those three teams are going to be in it. I'm just wondering, do you think it's too gimmicky for you? Does it not matter because it's the Rona and it's just going to be different anyway? Do you like it? I like it. I like it. This is the time to try new things, to change things up, to see what works and what doesn't because – there's going to be that little asterisk next to the outcomes in every season this year, right? So perfect time for every professional league and every other league beyond that to experiment. So I'm on board with seeing how it plays out. Yeah. What do you think, GFD? Man, I love that they brought back basketball. I love that they, they actually put it. That in. wasn't the question, Dave. What was the question? <laughs> do you like the ninth seed play-in tournament with the eighth seed? I love that they brought back basketball and the way that they, they formed it. Why did you just say the same thing? Because I'm just trying to get to the, my point. Is that, okay. That, okay. Yeah, I do like that they made it so it wasn't just like eight and eight and here's your thing and then we're going to play it out. It's like they gave us a pre-playoff playoff in this bubble. I think it's exciting. 
It keeps me watching. I'm sorry that Zion didn't make it to the next round. You should have played him more. I don't know. I yeah, don't know. that was so weird how they were handling his minutes. They called it like boost restrictions or something. You didn't want to win. That's how I feel. Play him. Play yeah. the man. Give him three minutes a quarter. What's the deal? He's getting a point or more a minute. Leave him in for a minute. It's a man playing with boys. That's literally what it looks like when he plays. I would love to be able to know, to have like a full-blown, honest conversation with the medical staff in New Orleans to figure out exactly what's going on because there's got to be something because they're playing him. If he was hurt or he had the potential to get hurt worse, then they wouldn't be playing him at all. But then if you're going to play him, then why not try to ramp him up, add to his minutes? It seemed like, if anything, they were starting to reduce his minutes. And because he didn't play, they're not going to make the playoffs. When the NBA specifically did this ninth seed thing just to allow – it's not even like they did it in the East. They did it just to allow Zion – Zion – I always call him Zion I, the rap group – just to allow Zion into the playoffs. And then apparently the Pelicans didn't want to make the playoffs because they had a good chance to. And they didn't play him. So, anyways, it's going to suck that he's not in there. But I think it's going to be the Lakers. People are not talking about this enough. Like, right now in Vegas, the favorites to win it all are the Lakers and the Clippers. But the Lakers are banged up. They lost Rondo until at least, like, halfway through the playoffs. Avery Bradley didn't come because of COVID. They've got guys dropping like flies. Did I and see something that LeBron's out? Uh, LeBron was out for a game just with the injury that he's been dealing with. But it, they've already clinched the one seed, so it doesn't matter. But whether it's the – well, I don't think the Grizzlies are really going to give the Lakers any problems, but the, the Blazers have looked great. Melo lost like 150 pounds and is amazing again. Um, yeah. He can shoot too. He can shoot because he's not fat anymore. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Dame Dallasine has been shooting from like half court and averaging like 40 points. He's been amazing. So I think the Blazers could give the Lakers a run for their money, at least maybe a six-game series. And then the Spurs, I don't really want to see them. The Suns have been a good story. They're the only undefeated team right. in the bubble. All right. I got to go. Here's my viewership recommendation for you. Shoot. Alone. Alone. Yes. Okay. What is it? A movie? A show? It's a show. It's a survival show where they take these like badass freaking hunter trapper outdoorsy people and they just drop them in the Arctic alone. And you see how long they can last. And it's I'm telling you, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But you think, eh, okay, even someone who's really well prepared, they're going to last a week or something out there in the woods by themselves, no one to help them. They have to set up their own cameras, capture the shot, go watch it. Unbelievable how long people last. My only problem with those shows is that they have cameramen there, so they're not technically alone. No, no, you, no. These people are setting up their own cameras. Are they naked? Oh, really? It's not they're naked li- afraid. They're literally alone? Yes, they're literally alone, and they have, like, an emergency beacon they can activate whenever. But just watch a couple episodes. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. No, I'm in. Are shooting in? If there's no cameraman, I'm in. No, he just said nothing. You get nothing, and there's no film crew. There is an emergency get, button get, that you can hit in case you're going to die. We get but, nothing from OC. He's just done. He just here's his blurp and he's gone. Like, yeah, he's out. That's how he's. At. I'm telling you, we lost him from the jump. He, he is so devastated that college football's not coming back. Man, I have died off. I see it. I have never seen a guy less interested in doing a podcast than OC was today, and his exit was a perfect representation of it. Do you have any recommendations, GFD? You're gonna laugh, but I got one. It's Netflix. It's a Netflix original. Uh-huh. It's a Korean drama. Of course. And it's called Ichiman. 
And it's about this saga of these two young people growing up and them running into each other over time in Korea and they leading two separate lives and them being in love with each other at different times, but it, it ain't working out. And yeah, it's a crazy show about the drive for power and richness and love. And it's a pretty deep story. You got to go and check it out. All also, right. too, I got a suggestion. If you're watching, you totally cut out. Hello. That's a fitting end to the podcast. All right. Well, for Sean O'Connell and Great Face Dave, I'm Zachariah. Follow us on all those good platforms. Right now, it's still at No Work Today. K N O W Work Today. We're going to work on that, switching that up to O C and Z and friends. Until next time, my friends. Hello, friends. As I channel my inner Jim Nance, I hope everybody has a wonderful day. And until next time, holla.